Welcome all, this is Justin Lomnes, the Lunatic Libertarian Podcast, the place to engage lunatic ideas about freedom, building skill sets, encouraging individual tangible knowledge, self-sufficiency, and engaging all of humanity, regardless of political affiliation, sex, race, color, creed, pronoun, preference, social economic background, or any label, title, or category you choose to affiliate yourself with. We appreciate all the knowledge for the better of all mankind, and we thank you for listening to The Lunatic Libertarian. And we are live. I'm Justin Lomnis, The Lunatic Libertarian. I'm here with my man, Neil Long, run it for the Senate seat that Ron Ron Johnson currently holds representing the Libertarian Party here in Wisconsin. How you doing tonight, Neil? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's a little hot in the studio right now, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep the, the sound down from everybody riding their Harleys and everything, enjoying the beautiful weather that we're having right now in Wisconsin. 85 degrees where I'm at. Oh, yeah. It's it's a warm one today. It is currently 82 in, in Green Bay here. Yeah, we... Uh, I was out working out in the yard all day today. It had to take advantage of the moment. It was a little humid this morning. It's calmed down a lot later this evening, though, which is really nice. Oh, our shop, it was uh, walking on ice skates because the floor was bringing up all the humidity. And, man, it, it was horrible for the first part of the day. But once it started really getting heating up, we were able to get her all cleaned up and really start hammering our way on some of these vehicles. So... You're running against Ron Johnson, and um, why yeah. don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and the history and how you got uh, liberty-minded and then found the Libertarian Party of Wisconsin? Well, so a little bit back about me. Um, some may have heard it before, some not. Uh, my story kind of starts with my family. You know, my father, he, he enlisted in the uh, enlisted back in 68 during the height of the Vietnam War. He didn't do it because... He had to, but he's getting drafted that time. He could have just waited for that, but he did it because he knew his country needed people and he was there to serve. And shortly after 9-11, I was kind of wandering through life there. I was being a part-time uh, service assistant and stuff at the at a Harley shop. And uh, 9-11 happened and I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm enlisting. <laughs> Funny story about that. My dad, when I enlisted, my dad said, you should enlist in the Air Force. And I said, no, no, I'm going in the Army. You know, I'm going to... I'm going to go and I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go take it to these Taliban guys, you know, so I'm going to go in the army. And after my first tour in Iraq, uh, we were at Biop Baghdad International Airport. We were hitting the C-130 on our way back. It was 2004-ish. I don't know. We were there for like 18 months. So it was almost five. And uh, we stopped at the, uh, at Biop and I had to, had a meal at the Air Force place and they had real plates they had real forks, they had real eggs, they had soda <laughs> machines, and I called my dad on the satellite phone that night, and I said, Dad, you know what, I probably would have been mad at you, but I should have listened to you. You were right, I should have went in the Air Force, because I'd been eating MREs for 18 months, and <laughs> digging toilets, and all that goes along with all of that, and uh, he uh, he was definitely right, I should have definitely went in the Air Force. Hindsight, 2020, right? I probably would have been oh, mad yeah. the whole time, but hindsight. But yeah, so... Selfless H-back service. Containers and the whole nine, man. <laughs> I know they had they had soda machines, man. How, how much better is it? Real forks, but they. Uh, so we've always my family is a, we believe in serving our nation, selfless service, you know. And I've always been the kind of guy. I've always been a big history buff. Before I enlisted, I was accepted to Gettysburg College in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It was a big history college for the Civil War, and I was I was ready ready to go for that, and I was saving up so I could pay for it because it's a private college and then 9-11 happened and I was like nope that's this I'm out so I enlisted and uh, I've always just I've always been a history buff love the constitution um, always thought that everything that's kind of going on in the world today already has an answer that's in there it's kind of like um, the constitution I don't like making the reference but it's like the bible you don't rewrite the bible right it, the words are the words and they apply throughout the history of time and the same with the constitution people want to call it a living document or whatnot and really it's the interpretation that we have of it that 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 does never the words don't need to change no. and we just it just applies to the world we live in you know a little bit differently but the world's the words still stand true the concepts Correct. and everything that's behind it still stands true 
And so, you know, me loving history and me loving everything and loving our, our constitution and our country and everything. And once I got out of the army after a few combat tours in, in Iraq, I was, I was kind of having a rough time with things, you know, a lot of guys do. And, uh, I finally got on the up and up and I start looking around and the parties are fighting each other and all this stuff's going on in Washington. And these guys don't know what it means to really serve your, your, your country to serve, you know, they, they swear want to, oath, but they don't understand what that they don't understand really what it means. really means, you know, and there are some, some of the things they do and say and stuff, it's not for the benefit of the country. It's for the benefit of their own political party. And we have this two party system set up right now where they feed off each other for fundraising and power. And they make the other one, the bad guy and villainize everything they do. But when they're in power, they don't do anything like uh, when the Republicans had the house and the Senate and Trump in office, he's, they all promised, Oh yeah, we're going to bring your concealed, you know, concealed carry reciprocity was a big thing at the time. Now it's constitutional carry, but at the time, I remember a big thing at the time was concealed carry reciprocity, at least being able to carry your firearm concealed in every state. And we got nothing. Trump did that bump stock ban, which is at Holden and appeals court right now. Um, and the Democrats used that as a way so that they could do the ghost gun thing and the force reset trigger stuff, you know. So he set the precedent that allowed them to ban other uh, firearms accessories, you know, and I'm seeing these sort of backhanded deals, but they had three branches right there. They could have put reciprocity. They could have did all kinds of stuff and they piddled and fought and did nothing, you know? Right. And we see that there's real problems and these guys aren't doing anything. Right. I had asked uh, uh, Neil Harmon, uh, who's running for secretary of state, what he thought of uh, the reclaiming of the definition of a firearm to where there is no definition. There is no actual definition in the Wisconsin state legislation currently of a mm-hmm. definition of a firearm. So on the federal level and the powers belong to the states, how do, how do you think that would really apply when you're when they're talking about quote unquote ghost guns or home manufactured weapons? That's what the problem with uh, these regulations that we have in the system in place that it is, is the legislators make a broad proposal and they say, hey, you know what, we're going to write this law and it's an encyclopedia long, but it never really defines a whole heck of a lot. And then it goes down to the federal agencies, which are in charge of the executive, who is political at whatever party for whatever moment. And he says, oh, well, we're just going to reinterpret that to better fit my political motives and needs. And so you see that even the uh, the redefinitions and stuff, Obama was really big on redefining several items during throughout his tenure. Yep, because verbiage matters. Yes. And um, so he was really big at redefining things. And I don't think that's exactly the intent of any of our laws that we ever pass is so that way we interpret it different ways did they write it in spanish and now we're figuring out four different ways to say it it, it was back in what was it? i think it's like oh three or four they said that all laws have to be written in plain english now they can't use all that um parliamentarian legalese stuff anymore that they have to write it in plain english and and the intent behind that was that so that the intent of the lawmakers when they made that was clear so that we didn't have all this stuff and now that we have you know everybody always fights whoever the director of the atf is because they always try to put the most um, partisan person for their party and not all that shenanigans. And I love what Spike Cohen does. To the, I love what Spike Cohen does to the ATF on Facebook. He completely oh. destroys them every time he he gets a chance and every time they post. He completely he bodies them literally with um, the ratios and his comment. And it, it's it's kind of funny. Do you think that um, when people actually recognize what these agencies are doing on a federal level, um, not only abroad, but domestically, do you think that you can propose something that would um, definitely start to restrict these agencies? Well, my first, my first things I really want to do, I got a, I got a list of two things I really want to do. One is more parliamentarian. One is establishing rules for the, the Congress. I want to okay. establish, you know, pay raises to $1. I want to establish no lobbying, AKA bribing politicians for 10 years after you're in office. I want to establish. Hold on. So pay raises of $1. Yep. Everybody gets, everybody gets $1 a year because this job isn't about, 
everybody who goes into Congress is already well-to-do. Let me tell you. I'm trying to run on a shoestring budget here, and this stuff doesn't go. Ron Johnson was just complaining that he had only $12 million in the bank, and he's got his face plastered on the side of a bus. I would have bought an 88 Volvo and traveled this state 500 times (laughs) and bought bought that bus worth of gas just to get me around this state 500 times to talk to people every day. But so definitions of money is uh, crazy with them. But so I would just I would knock them all down to a buck. These these, these are people who don't need money. Um, they, they need to realize that this is about more than that. And then uh, make them work a five day work week. Some people are saying I get I get flack for this when I say five day work week. And they're like, well, they got to come home and they got to be uh, involved with their constituents in their in their city. And, no, and like, Dude, you know, you and me we're I, I did a podcast with uh, Jacob uh, a couple weeks ago and I was in Florida on vacation. Yeah. I can still talk to people anywhere in the country. We learned during this whole COVID thing that you can do a lot remotely these days, but you know what you can't do remotely is working your ass off in that Capitol building, writing legislation to make people's lives better. That's what you can't do from home because you're at home, right? And you're trying to do fundraisers and you're trying to do all this other stuff to get special money for your pack and all that other stuff. So you can get more votes to get more power and, a downhill spiral so i say no stock trading because if a ceo trades his own stock it's a crime it's insider trading a politician goes to a secret briefing learns about covid and how dangerous it's going to be for the economy sells all their dang stock and buys a whole bunch of stock and toilet paper and covid medicine stuff they are that's kosher you know as long as they report it three months later in some form that nobody can access we got the Speaker of the House that's actually purchasing Microsoft based on a hundred million or hundred billion dollar program for augmented reality. And then the, after the program gets scrapped, she's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's not it, mm-hmm. because they're it, all millionaires. It's absolutely ridiculous that they say mm-hmm. we represent the people, but they are so disconnected from reality of, of how mm-hmm. actually people live. Because Nancy Pelosi represents San Francisco, I believe. And if you were to go to San Francisco, it's absolutely atrocious. According, you to cannot that. afford. Uh, normal people can't live in. Normal people can't live in San Francisco. It's it's too it's too expensive nowadays. Silicon Valley just ruined it. The only people there is millionaires at this point. So, if not multimillionaires at this point, and I I hear stories about people working in Tech Valley renting like single rooms of a house, and then they have to get three people to split that single room with them. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Twenty-two, twenty-three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But like secret. both parties are, yeah. Both parties are are really guilty of that. Even the people who say that they're anti-establishment, like that majority, Marjorie Green, that's who she is. She was talking about how, oh, you know, oh, this is all backwards and this insider trading and all this stuff, and then she goes and buys stock and COVID stuff and everything. So it's like, do what I say, not what I do, sort of thing. They don't, they don't live what they, they don't live what they say. None Absolutely of them. Absolutely not. So no. Yeah. So, um, I think that that would be a big ethical change in Washington. If if you could get people in there who actually cared about the country, you know, I think that would be a good one. And my next, my actual first piece of legislation, um, I would ruffle a lot of, ruffle a lot of feathers in Washington. I want to, uh, propose a bill that would make it forbidden for the government could not tax any of our constitutional rights could not create registries of anyone who is exercising any of their constitutional rights, who could not um, purposely burden anyone while exercising any of their constitutional rights, and who could not withhold your property or, um, or you without due process of the law and being charged with a crime. And that right there would get rid of like the NFA, it would get rid of civil forfeiture, it would get rid of registries on Second Amendment. It would get rid get rid of registries that states keep on protesters. It would get rid of a host of Fourth Amendment rights that uh, violations that looks like a punch card from a kid's lunchroom at this point. The Fourth Amendment. So, well, brother, you have some serious ambitions because you're talking about eliminating Patriot Act and some other shit. And I, well, I, don't I know think that no, I but mean, I'm going to go up there every single day. And I'm going to go on their news channels because the only way these guys are going to get involved with this, right? So there's a big host of them that want to save America, that want to take it back from everybody, right? And there's a lot of people who want to do this. And so if you can 
feed off that fuel and fire that they've got going for themselves and host it in a host your story and host this bill in a way that it's going to bring these rights to these people it's going to save america you i've already talked to some i see as part of my campaign i'm I'm reaching out to unconventional people that we don't really usually talk to i've reached out to black lives matter several latino groups in wisconsin because i just want to talk to people i want to get myself out there and get the voice and and show them you know what the libertarian party we're not all just you know a bunch of tin hat wearing crazies that we actually have legitimate ideas that could benefit everybody and if you could see these ideas they they would be beneficial for everyone um absolutely i, I said and, get after it get yeah after it i'm i'm talking this. to anyone who will give me five minutes of their time i will talk to them even if they say you know what i'm gonna vote for this party i always have i'm never gonna not vote to that party I said, okay, that's fine. You, you, you know who best represents you, but let's just talk. Why do you do that? Why do you vote for that party? And we go on that thing. And I said, you know what? We're the only political party who wants to get in power so we can give it all away. We're the right. only one. Ever since our founding, I said, ever since our founding, the other parties have been playing with your rights like a dang old chess game. And we're the only one who wants to get in power to give it back. And I really want to give it back because I could get rid of a whole host of things with one bill the patriot act spying on americans what they say was that uh the national uh foreign service intelligence act read 13 million americans uh text messages emails all kinds of stuff that that's a fourth amendment violation if i ever heard of one and they're gonna you know what if you're if you were charged with a crime right they think you're a drug dealer or whatever you know well it don't matter i'm a felon so i I yeah completely relate to this yeah So they, they're, you're charged with a crime, and um, to be able to search your phone and your emails, they have to go and get an individual warrant for your devices yep. and say what they want, and they have to go to the judge, and they have to get all that clarified out. But these Patriot Act and Foreign Service Intelligence Act has just given them carte blanche, go out there and take everybody's stuff. And yep. whatever you find, you can use, and we'll just say it's good <clears throat> later. And those those are examples of the rights that even the, the right took away from us. You know, a lot of people on the rights don't believe that the, the Republicans would never take away our rights. Well, the Republicans are really bad. Yeah, I'm all for defending the homeland and doing whatever you want. Yes. But if you're going to tap the phone lines, tap the lines coming into the country, not the ones going out. You know what I mean? Because those are citizens that you're spying on. But all that the Republican Party has been in charge of demolishing great swaths of the fourth amendment as a whole. And it, it's like, it's like they're colorblind. Oh, well, the left is going to go after your second amendment rights. Well, you've already, you know, you, you sank the fourth. All right. And people are really frustrated about and that was a big speaking point I had with the black lives matter crew was the actual amount of damage done to the fourth amendment has made it so easy for people to just get rearrested and recriminalized and um you get to the point where if you're in trouble or and you're on parole or whatever and they just come over and they start searching your stuff and you're not a citizen anymore it doesn't matter who you are even though you've served your time you um according to the law are a rehabilitated person you're released out in the rest of the world and you're allowed to be with us citizens you're not a citizen and that ain't right you know i could understand like keeping a list of sexual predators and that sort of stuff you know people that may commit again, people who are children and women and that sort of stuff. And it could do that sort of thing. I'm I'm down with, I'm down with keeping tabs on that. I know that there's a lot in the libertarian party who would be even against that, but I don't ever want to be responsible for a child getting hurt or anything like that. I think I would run into a moral problem there. I have a question. Um, Since Mm -hmm. um, you enlisted after 9-11, I enlisted uh, previous to 9-11, but I went to boot camp in December of 2001 and I joined the Navy I was down there when it was negative 20 outside the whole winter. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that because it cost the Navy $5 to send me via Greyhound from Milwaukee to uh, so, <laughs> yeah. um It was funny laughing at the guys from Texas. But um, the thing is, is that when you look at the 20-some years that we have post-2001 and what has been ingrained or indoctrinated into people is that you have to know what your neighbor is doing. You want to know what your neighbor mm-hmm. is doing. If you see something, you, say something. Right. right. It, it is, it's an invasion of privacy, 
And the people that actually stand their ground and say, no, you mind your business, I'll mind mine, I'm rolling through life, I'm not bothering nobody. Yeah. Do, do you think that people um, are offended now? Because there's a lot of things that offend people. I really don't want to go into that no. whole gambit because that yeah. is just absolute ridiculousness. Because yeah. the Constitution says that I have freedom of speech and I can practice any religion I want, no matter what skin color I am mm-hmm. or what mm-hmm. demographic or socioeconomic background mm-hmm. I come from. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. You do you. I'll do me. As long as I'm not disrespecting you in society as far as trying to take your stuff or being violent against you, mm-hmm. we can perfectly run through society, live our lives. and we don't You can say whatever you want, and I have the ability to not listen to whatever you say. You exactly. Know? Everybody but, wants to be heard, but nobody nobody has to force someone to listen, correct? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm really big on it in in my, you know, in my house and that sort of stuff. I'm not too big on keeping up with the Joneses, you know what I mean? Everybody's out there and they're doing their thing mowing their yard twice a week and I just do it once a week and stuff cuz I I I uh after my many deployments, I I learned the value of family and family time and spending time with my kids and live in life, you know, and I didn't want to waste those times with my children. And a lot of people go out there and, you know, they're out there doing silly things that don't need to be done when you could be reading a book to your kids or doing something worthwhile that are going to impact their lives, going to their concerts and this, that, and the other, making sure both of you go there, cooking them a home cooked meal, asking them about their day at school, how all that went, you know, there, there's a lot more to life than what's been fed to a lot of people. And it took a long time for me to come to the realization that, you know what, there's more that matters than a lot of this stuff that's, you know, going out there. A lot of this hate and all this other crap that's right. going out and there. And I will tell people, once your mortality has been tested, you will mm-hmm. completely understand it. Every human being, <laughs> once your mortality is tested, you yep. will completely understand those statements because time is something can, that can never be given mm-hmm. back to you so just yep. understand that. And men and women that leave their families for 16, 18, two years, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on what operations yep. you're in or what op- mm-hmm. outfit you're with, you could be gone for two years without seeing anybody, depending yep. on who you're, yep. what you're dealing with. So You have 18 summers, 18 birthdays, 18 Christmases with your kids, and every one of them's different. You know, those fun young years of Christmas versus those 18-year-old Christmases are totally different. And uh, you only have 18 of them. And... Though it seems like a big number, they go by real quick, and you're going to look back at the end of them going, crap, what did I do, you know? Right. And, what, you know, it's the big picture in life that you that you really see when you're when – you're, I, I was a leader. I was in charge of 12 soldiers, you know, and it took a big toll, you know, whenever one of my soldiers would get hurt or something would happen, you know, because that's, that's your family when you're deployed, you know. And uh, you, you go to cherish those moments you do have because sometimes they get taken away from you, you know. So it, it really is uh, – it's important that you, you prioritize certain things in life. Correct. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it didn't matter what color they were, how tall they were. It didn't matter I never asked my gunner's political party in my entire life. Yeah. It I gave them distance. I gave them distance and direction all the damn time. Yelled at him for not wearing his armor correctly or not clearing his gun fast enough or whatever in the world need be. But I never once asked him his political party because we had a mission to do. We had a job, mm-hmm. and that's what had to be done. And that's what that's what the problem is right now is. Say immigration. This is a big hot button issue. I just talked to a fella, good friend of mine. I talked to him this weekend when I was down in Madison about uh, the Libertarian Party, and he's a Republican, always going to be one. And I don't, you know, if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. I'm, I'm happy. This, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do, man. Just hey, if you got something, you know, own it. And uh, he was talking about how Libertarian Party. I said, you know, yeah, I, that's what I'm running for. You know, uh, I don't. I don't talk about it around you guys because I don't like to piss my own pool. But, um, yeah, because we're just biker buddies, you know. We don't really talk about politics or anything. And uh, I was like, hey, man, you know. He's like, what about uh, um, immigration and this sort of stuff? You guys believe in open borders? And I said, well, it's not necessarily open borders. We just believe in, in making, a, making it easier for the, real, for the, for the, for the people who want to come to America and live a life of freedom to come here and make a life of freedom. So I said, hey, how about this idea, right? A wall is not going to work. I know it's politically contentious. A wall is not going to work. It didn't work for China to keep the Mongols out. It didn't work for Hadrian to keep out the Celts. 
walls don't work. But you know something that does work is information. And so what you got to do is you got to set up a camp. And I, I brought up this idea. I thought it was pretty good at the time. Of course, it's going to take some ironing out and nobody else is going to like it. But create a camp and you got stations. You come into America, you go to the first station. They say, okay, are you a criminal? They check your fingerprint. They check your ID. Same as what they do right now to figure out if you're a criminal. Nothing's going to change there. You go to the next station. Do you have COVID? Are you sick? Nope. All right, you go to the next station. You, you sign out basically because you know you can sign away your constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. You do it when you go in the military. And you say, mm -hmm. hey, if you want to take part of this visa program, we have this great visa program. It'll get you a work visa right off the bat. But you got two chances with misdemeanors and then you're out you can't come back in you got one felony and you're out and you can't come back in and if you go to get a misdemeanor and you get to go see the judge and the judge says hey you're still being a great member of society keep them they can stay because you know what these people down in mexico they got drug cartels going in telling dads hey you're going to go sell our drugs or we're going to rape your wife and kill your children Mm -hmm. And that night he gets his family together and he goes for the border and tries to go up north to go to America to find a better way of life. You can't tell me that that guy is not deserving and having a chance to make sure his wife doesn't get raped and his children killed. That's we need to ensure that that guy gets across and there needs to be a speedier system to do that. And that may mean okay. fluxing more people down there, putting in an express lane so we can get more people coming through with work visas. And you know what? If, if you tell all the good people, hey, if you come here and this is how you can get a visa and after X amount of years, you can apply for your citizenship easier than going through the old rigmarole. This is an express lane. The good people are going to hear information passes very quickly. The good people are going to hear and the bad people who are trying to smuggle the drugs up their colon are still going to try to go around the around the side. But the but the the vol the volume of people are going to start to hear, hey, America is willing to let us come in. We just got to work for it. And that's what everybody seems to be concerned with is they don't want immigrants to be um, soaking up welfare and they're all criminals. Well, half of the crimes that these people are, are committed are saying they're committed for is just crossing the border in general. Correct. And is it really a crime for a father to not want his wife to get raped and his children killed because he won't sell drugs? Well, and that's what I that's security. what I get is. Yeah. yeah it's and, it's and I think if. Providing. Yeah. And so I think I think it would be easier if you put out the information and say, hey, we got this this pathway. This will make you be a citizen. You get in trouble, you're barred. You can't come back in. So mm -hmm. keep yourself on the straight and narrow. You sign away your rights. You forfeit your ability to come back in the United States. You commit a felony. But if you're an outstanding citizen, get you out. Go out the gate. You're free to go. We'll give you a bus ticket to a state that needs workers. You know, mm -hmm. we're in a worker shortage all over the place right now. McDonald's is hiring 15 bucks an hour down the road for me. 15 bucks an hour. That's more than and two I gotta and a half times. I got to ask you a couple questions now. I got to ask okay. you a couple questions now. Because one of the things that you bring up is open borders or somebody's interpretation of what an open border really is. Yeah. Now, when it comes to America's foreign policy and the drug war, if you look at Mexico, drug cartels, something like that, and you look at uh, Operation Fast and Furious, and uh, the United States um, implemented operations, I wanted to say. Implemented mm -hmm. operations, not something that's in a think tank. It's actually stuff that's being handled across the border. So Operation Fast and Furious, multiple firearms are sent over to try and track car cartel members. And then you have no accountability on the federal level. Um, See that? Yeah, the Operation Fast and Furious was a cluster from the beginning. It should probably, it should never have happened. Um, it sends the wrong message. Even if, even if your intent is good, and you want to catch who these cartels are, arming correct. them is definitely not the way that should have been done. All right, correct. there are other ways to gather intelligence through friendly ties and that sort of thing through foreign relations with other countries. But arming correct. people who are intent on harming others is definitely not the appropriate way that Fast and Furious ever should have ran. Um, so as a federal representative from the state of Wisconsin, you can say, hey, what is our treaty doing this, that, and the other in these foreign in these foreign operations or these countries and saying, hey, why do we need to give you this much aid in return for zero? Or if it's Mexico, how much I, aid I, are you receiving and we return zero? The, um, yeah, the Department of State. Just uh, I need uh, like oh, sorry. 10 seconds. Go ahead. If, if you eliminate the drug war on, uh, on the federal level, if you eliminate the drug war, this mm -hmm. interpretation of saying, hey, we've opened trade to every country that we've actually said, no, we're not going to trade with you because 
your number one commodity is a substance that I have restricted, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I being the United States government said, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that unless you have a pharmaceutical license. Now, this gets into also licensing and everything else and the handling mm-hmm. of uh, products of hazard or whatever, because mm-hmm. you have all these federal entities that have been um, stacked upon each other. You have um, OSHA, you have uh, the Department of Education, uh, the, uh, the DEA, you have the ATF, you have all these other entities. And then you have international entities like the National Security Agency, the CIA, and foreign entities doing whatever on black market mm-hmm. money. I, I call it black market money, but it's still tax money that goes to black market operations. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I think that, that this yeah. exists, what do you think it needs to be repealed legislation-wise legislation so that we can open our trade markets and create a real free market? And then say, okay, it's my body, my choice. If I want to consume a substance, I'm fine. If uh, you mm-hmm. want to do anything with your body, you're fine. Just as long as you're not doing anything violent or stealing anything from or they're damaging property from other citizens, mm-hmm. you can do what you want. Yeah. So the big part is the war on drugs. That's it's a cluster and it's been a failure for so long because it's just been a, it's one of those pipe dream things that you, it's good to say on paper and it's good to think, hey, we're going to end drugs and it's going to. But, you know, what? bad people always find a way to do bad things. So you made drugs a commodity that was scarce. The price went up. They want money. Bad people say I want money. They find a way to make it happen. That's all that is. So the war on drugs was a failure from the beginning. They probably should have focused more on education and being able to teach kids that um, the the repercussions of doing these sorts of things to your body versus fighting a war on drugs. Um, So Substance Control Act and those sorts of things, all those legislations that that let the government willy-nilly describe which drugs are drugs and which ones aren't, that's probably what should be repealed as far as being able to provide more oversight instead of i'm not big on letting federal agencies kind of just run their own and decide their own rules to play by um i do believe that a lot about 90 percent of these acronym agencies we don't really need i'm a big fan of the defense oriented ones um you know the the cia because they they're supposed to only deal with overseas um and you know of course the department yeah i know right the department of defense and that sort of stuff i believe the nsa and their cyber stuff overseas i believe in those sorts of organizations um i believe that their authorities should should end at the border no whether that be a cyber border or an actual border they they shouldn't ever operate the united states because it runs afoul of all of our constitutional rights um of course i don't like the dea or the atf those are on my hit list i don't like either one of them the atf for obvious reasons but the DEA is just a duplicitous agency that the FBI could do so most of the job that they do. And if you get rid of the Federal Substance uh, the Controlled Substance Act, their job would pretty much be useless anyway. Um, Correct. Do you think that there's an underground economy that helps the uh, mainstream economy when we talk about the war on drugs? Because we're talking hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars worldwide. Well, there's a lot of money in drugs. There's a lot of poor Afghanis who sold opium and had nice, comfortable lives in Afghanistan. So there's mm-hmm. there's money in drugs. Um, I think the United States, we should probably not necessarily, if you want to grow whatever you want to grow, opium or whatever it is, and you want to be part of that market, then that's what you want to do. And that's how you want to live your life, I suppose. I don't care either way. I'm really big on that. I don't care what you want to do. Just do what you want to do. You know, As long as you're not screwing with me, I don't care. I'm not living down downstream from your poppy field getting high, so I don't care really what's going on. Here. Maybe if it, maybe if that was happening, maybe I wouldn't mind either, you know. But uh, <laughs> in reality, is is you know, if people want to do the, if they want to grow whatever cash crop they want to go, they're just bringing more money into the United States. Um, and drug money Real all talk. goes out of the country. Real so talk. yeah, so drug money really goes nowhere. It doesn't help anybody, you know, and. Um, we could see with the states that have legalized marijuana even that uh, because of federal restrictions that the dispensaries and stuff are keeping hordes of cash and stuff that they can't deposit in banks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Hiring separate uh, um, armored car companies. I, I posted one about civil forfeiture from San Bernardino County where the sheriff kept pulling over 
an armored car company that only worked with dispensaries and taking their money and civil forfeiture saying it was drug money. So he'd give it to the feds because they get 80% back. It's stupid stuff. You know, if we well, just made I know I, I'm big on I, I absolutely loathe civil forfeiture because that's the government taking your property without ever even charging you with a crime. And sometimes mm -hmm. it costs you more money to get your stuff back than they took some poor person who doesn't have a hundred dollars to rub between their toe, their fingers, you know, they got $200 for rent and that's what they need to live on. And mm -hmm. the government takes it and says, Oh, well this $200, this could be drug money. You don't look like a reputable person. This could be drug money. I'm going to take your rent money here. And I want to say it's drug money. Well, he don't have enough money to hire a lawyer to get that money back. And so now they just get to keep 80% of it and give 20% to the feds. So so forfeiture and I, we even though it's never happened to me, not a big fan because I, well, I know it runs is, is completely I'm afoul of the Fourth Amendment. Think, yeah, I'm not a big fan of people thinking that they have more power over another individual as a human being just because they wear something that says they're oh mm. I'm more powerful than you. I, I I think as part of that law that I was bringing up earlier, I wanted to um, ensure that it says in there the lingo. I want to make sure that it says there the the government cannot create two classes of people. So that all are all the Constitution applies to all evenly. And I got it. Part of it goes to the civil rights talk I had with some BLM folks. Um, they were talking about how laws are applied differently in different communities and stuff. And I said, you know what, this this is a good idea that I have, you know, that all laws are applied evenly. And as a libertarian, a lot of us are, you know, we see this golden golden town on the on the countryside and that's that's the america we view and the america we want to see is this america where we live by the constitution and not really a whole else lot matters you know but we have to live in the reality of now where this two-party system and hatred of people and stuff so the civil rights are still very important now but the eventual goal of course would be to not need those that those that the voting rights act and everything like that wouldn't be needed in the future but it's important to have those sorts of things now in place until we can get past the need for them. Because I, I do, I, I meet a lot of um, people who have a great view of where, where we want to take the Libertarian Party and what America would look like as a shining beacon on the hill. And we kind of got to trudge through the mud to get there, you know, and we got to do anything we can to try to fight to get the good fight to to make it go our way, you know, and I've seen leaps and bounds of growth in the Libertarian Party as a whole. Since I've become active, which wasn't that long ago, I've been a libertarian for a long time, but I haven't been politically active because, you know, yeah, politics is kind of crazy. You don't like talking about it around the dinner yeah, table. The it's off-putting like, to some folks, you know, and you don't want to bring up politics around some people. And Well, the thing is, is that the Libertarian Party has a principled uh, a message that says that we're not, we don't care what you, what you want to do with your life because that's your life. Go do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all it's all about liberty. It's liberty. It's it's exactly what we're are the foundation of what we believe in is. It, I get confused with uh, lib, uh, libertarian and uh, liberal. Liberal. Yes, thank you. I need to have a drink here in a minute. But yeah, I, that gets confused a lot, and I have to explain. No, no, we're totally different. But the idea is the foundation of our whole thing is you live your life without Uncle Sam getting in it, and you do what you want as long as you don't hurt nobody else. That's cool with me. Small federal government low no taxes that that'd be a great world for everybody because i think if we got rid of a lot of these big government agencies like department of education and atf and the billions of dollars that would flow back in to help pay stuff off at the federal level to get that deficit down drop inflation all kinds of great things would happen in the end but um it's about getting that message out there that the federal government has turned into this giant octopus affecting our lives so much that we've just kind of been numb to its effects that yeah. we don't even realize how much it has gotten into our everyday life, you know? And I, I how... think of all the people that are actually on public assistance that complain about it. That's what I think about because I was there. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't need these people in my life 24 seven. What I need to well, be able to do is get an occupation that doesn't need to worry about mm -hmm. anything that I'm doing in my personal life mm -hmm. and say that, are my skill sets what you need to make a profit? Is well, I believe it? in I believe in the social social security net in general. I don't believe how it's funded. I do believe that we have a moral obligation to make sure that the that disabled people are not wandering amongst the streets. And I do know there's a number of charitable organizations that can help and do help with those. And we need to foster those 
um, uh, those relationships between those charitable organizations that can definitely help with the issue. But I do know that, you know, sometimes there's disabled people that need the money so that they can pay their rent and they're not getting very much bagging groceries or whatever the case may be. And there needs to be that social net. And like everybody, we all have our pet projects on things that we do like about the federal government and things we don't like. You I know, don't, some pe- <laughs> I hate the federal government and everything well, they represent. There are some people who are big on defense or defense of the nation or the homeland. And there's some people who are big on, you know, um, civil, civil liberties and, and uh, big on uh, like, I've met people who are really big in for the Department of Education, and I was curious why, but uh, we had that conversation, which was a pretty interesting one. But, you know, I understand it from all, I, I never taught any one of my kids to potty train in one day. And I know that going to Washington, I'm not going to get it 100% of my way right off the bat. But baby steps, using every opportunity you can when you can hold those two big parties hostage to get one thing you want to go in your one direction that you can show like um i think it'd be the funniest thing ever go there and i'm the one who gets constitutional carry for all the republican people who've been promising it because i hold up some big omnibus bill and then i could go to all their constituents and say you know what the libertarian party got you that don't let joe schmo say that he did it and i'm I'm going to be on the news because I know the only way to call these guys out, they're all into their big egos. You call them out in public and you say, hey, you know what? I talked to Senator X, Y, and Z. They agree with me, but this guy here doesn't want to do it because he can use it for his own personal gain. And I'll call them out there right there in front of the news, in front of everybody, and shame them publicly that they are doing behind closed doors what they don't want to say they want to do in public. But, you know, I will cry from the highest tower to get whatever accomplished I can. And I think it would be awesome to include in my restoring our rights bill, the ability to um, anytime that the federal government wants to do something that would directly affect our constitutionally protected rights, our enumerated rights, Mm -hmm. our enumerated rights rather, um, that they have to do that as a standalone issue, that they can include that in some 11th hour omnibus at the end of the day, that it has to be a regular business day thing. That they have to bring up as a standalone thing. Hey, we and would it's not like the size of my head and my upper torso. Uh-huh. That's ninety million fucking pages either. Yeah, see, that's I, what they I get with the omnibus ones. Yeah, I got a question for you. Do you think that um, the people that need to be wearing body cams are the people in political office? <laughs> I, I think it would be great to film like Big Brother at at the white at in the halls of Congress. You know what I mean? <laughs> Having cameras everywhere. And just make it so you go to C-SPAN 37 and you go right to my office and you can see me in there flexing in the mirror, whatever I do in, the, in my off time. But um, drinking coffee and cursing at, cursing at old episodes of Sally, Jesse, Raphael or whatever I do nowadays. But <laughs> you can, I think it would be great. To, people always complain about transparency in Congress. Well, correct. Put, com- put cameras up everywhere. Put microphones everywhere. Let the people come around and visit. Come and say hi. And you know? uh, for everybody at the NSA, the FBI, Homeland Security, <laughs> CIA, you should create an app for that. All you got to do is let us actually pay $5 a month or whatever for a subscription and say, well, if I want to access that because it's public information, I should be able to access here. Oh, Senator uh, Nancy Pelosi, and what's she doing at this hour? Boom, I can tap mm-hmm. right into her iPhone just like they do us at any given time that they want and it's not yes. downloaded to a database super servers all over the country um we, we can get into a whole bunch but of i think that i think a lot can be done is if if politicians actually conducted their business in public yeah. they all hold public hearings but those are only a portion of the behind the doors hearings i understand under certain circumstances some people may not want to talk in public you like you got this january 6th committee going over all this stuff and some of those people don't want to come out and say some of the stuff in public right now because there will be political retribution on them mm-hmm. for whatever they do say. However, um, so or like the whistle, yeah, or the um, some of the other uh, whistleblower acts and those sorts of things where people don't want to come out in public and say those sorts of things for fear of retribution against them, but uh, retaliation rather against them. But I do understand right. the need for that sort of closed door thing. But I think a lot more business needs to be done in the open for the public to to. Uh, 
to view. And for your NSA, CIA, all the all you people listening right now, I love America. Love America. Peace, yeah. brother. Yes. Peace. But the thing um, is, but, is that they, these, these individual organizations and what they do on, on what they're granted as far as leverage or authority or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, it, it really is limitless to any person on the planet. When you look at the legislation and you look at the language, how it's written, it applies to every single human being on the planet, no matter what you're doing. If they interpret it, Yeah, reinterpreting regulation and that sort of stuff that they always do. Um, I also think it'd be great for the legislation to get involved in uh, define qualified immunity, right? So example, two people laying on the ground surrendering to the police and the police officer has a canine. The guy laying down, the officer sticks his dog on the guy who is surrendering laying down. He gets bit and he sues the police. Second guy, different guy, different situation. Canine officer sticks his dog on the guy and the guy's kneeling and surrendering to the police officer. Which one is covered by qualified immunity and which one isn't? Well, the the second guy is covered by qualified immunity because the situation wasn't exactly the same as the first guy's situation. He wasn't laying on the ground. So the officer that sicked his canine on him on purpose while he was surrendering is covered under qualified immunity where the first one doesn't isn't and so i think that that creation of a second class of person like i was talking about earlier would be a big one on helping get rid of this qualified immunity because qualified immunity i understand the reasoning behind it but something that could be done instead of saying qualified immunity is saying that a reasonable person in a reasonable situation bearing a similar situation would act in a similar manner so if a reasonable person is surrendering to the police whether they be standing sitting whatever you're still surrendering Mm -hmm. if they hurt you in any way shape or form after that without you resisting then they're wrong they're wrong and that's a violation of your rights that you have been deprived of that life liberty and or pursuit of happiness because that they acted outside their bounds and i think the the definition of qualified immunity really needs to be defined either legislatively or just waxed off the books because um, i think it should be waxed off the books the latter the latter the Mm -hmm. latter (laughs) the latter yeah i i think at the very least the way washington works right now it'd be a pain to even try to get a definition of it but i think uh i think it needs to happen really bad because there's a lot of people suffering on account of qualified immunity and i know from my time in the military one bad apple makes everybody looks like shite. Nobody looks good in an entire unit because of one person who acts bad. And you can't get rid of that one person for doing that one thing if they were found qualified and immune and that they're there to seek no harm against that, that person. You're making all the rest of the police look bad. And it doesn't do any good for the police and it doesn't do any good for the community relations mm-hmm. with police to have a second set of rules apply only to them and versus you. And that would and be you, part of that. The, the government, state and or federal, may create no class of, of citizen where the rules apply unequally to them. Part correct. of my law I was talking about. And I would just I would just totally just put that law out there. Like once a month, I would just submit it to the to the archives and say, hey, somebody wants to join in on me. Let, let's put the government in its place, you know, just always put that idea out there. But I do know that it probably won't ever happen. But I could definitely sit there and call them out on being hypocrites all day long on saying, hey, that you're you guys are doing this. I'll go to their news. I'll go on OAN or whomever they listen to because they all said, you know, they don't listen to me now. But if I were in office, all those news stations sit outside the Capitol. They love to talk to senators. They got a big podium. They got a big bully pulpit. They can sit out there and talk everything and anything they ever wanted to. And I am not afraid to make myself look a fool for the course of liberty and make these people and call them out for their hypocrisy. It, it just needs to get done. They're not accountable to the people anymore. They think they are. They were all scared shitless on January 6th, but they won't admit it. They were if afraid people were coming church. in that building. I would have ripped off my shirt like freaking Braveheart and stood in the hallway, but <laughs> then people wouldn't have done nothing. I was like, my wife says, I, I, she told me, she says, you know, if you get this job, are you gonna like volunteer to like go to Ukraine? I say, yeah, I'll go to Ukraine. Most I don't care. I'm supposed. To, I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Well, those guys are doing their own revolution right now, and I, I still have friends that are in the service. I, I don't support 
putting any of our soldiers over there. It's it's no, it's going to start something much worse because Russia, we learned what our weapons alone can do to them with us, with the people who train with those weapons every day and our weapons, we would just wipe them off the face of the earth. The only thing they got left is a ton of nukes and they would just end the world because they know that's all they have at this point because he's got his ass kicked so many, so much by just our weapons. But those people are really are in their fight for their own liberty, for their own nation. And I can see parallels between that and our own American Revolution. And I can say, hey, you know what? If you guys want it, and they do, they really do. Well, you can see they're fighting for it. Yeah. They want that. They want that nation. They want their home. Yeah. It's it's theirs. We we just need this. We stand behind them, but not send our guys there. I seen uh, what's that? What's that? Hey, uh, represent. I you, okay. I correct you on one thing. Until I can get a surface-to-air missile that was paid for by my tax dollars in my front lawn, <laughs> it is their weapons because I can't have anything. You know, I still want an M249, and nobody's going to give me that. I'm you a know? felon, and they didn't define a firearm in the state of Wisconsin, so I don't even know if I should be able to own a pneumatic compressed weapon. Well, you know what? It's funny. The People go to the ATF all the time just to, just to troll them, and they'll send... Uh, a water bottle and a pipe and stuff and see, ask the ATF if they can define this as a weapon or whatever. And people send like a dildo and a nine millimeter bullet to them in a box and say, is this a weapon? People just troll the ATF all the time. And I fully support that because the ATF just shouldn't <laughs> exist as, as a whole. I don't know what they do to regulate tobacco and explosives because if they're regulating explosives, they can just, the FBI can do that crap. They don't need to exist. Um, but yeah, the because of the NFA, man, I, I really would love a 249 for home defense, but I can't have that because that thing costs like 15 grand. And then Uncle Sam's going to tax me 200 bucks and make me wait six to 18 months. I remember the last NFA item I bought, I think it took nine or 10 months for a damn suppressor. I was like, what is this? And it's well, actually, if you want to go by John Browning, it actually is a silencer. John Browning, when he made the patent, he called him a silencer, but well, they ain't and quiet. And you know, it means something different than this day and age. Yep. Because Hollywood took over and they think that it goes every bullet and it is not that quiet. So just so if there's anyone out there who wants to know what a suppressed weapon sounds like, it does not sound like the movies. It sounds about like what they do real gunfire in the movies because that's at a hearing safe level. When you watch a movie, they're not going to blow your eardrums out. That's about what a suppressed weapon sounds like. A real unsuppressed weapon will blow your eardrums. You sit there out there long enough, but well, yeah. and and, and it, there's no t having a conversation in the middle of all that noise. Yeah, either. you know. Hey, how's it yeah, going? Yeah, I'm hey, watching the best Christmas this? movie ever. You know, Die Hard, and he, mm -hmm. he oh, he's all having a conversation with old Gunther <laughs> as he throws him off the top of the building. That don't happen. No. Come on now. No. <laughs> My all, wife and I fight about dramatic. that too. If it's Die Hard's a Christmas this. movie, well. We know that you want to end the war on drugs. We know that yes, and I want to end uh, the president's endless wars and his permanent ability to fight terrorists wherever, whenever, for whatever reason he so eloquently decides. I think that that should be his use of fourth authorization should be renewed annually. I want to bring back ethics to Washington. You know, pipe dream things, but uh, some of them can be can be made if you uh, baby steps. Never potty mm -hmm. trained a kid in one day. You just take any opportunity you can. You slip in what you can when you can. I'm not, I don't like big omnibus bills, but if they give me something I really want, like um, ending qualified immunity or, um, you know, something else I want, I would probably sign an omnibus bill if it got rid of qualified immunity. I would, would probably sign because you know what you got to give and you got to take. And well, you know what those, I do? You got to play this the system until do. you can change the system. Right. One thing I would do is I would, I would be like, even though this bill is passed, according to the United States Constitution, this bill is null and void, so it doesn't exist. And that would be the one amendment that I would put in every bill. <laughs> even though this one. passes, it, it, it passes, requires 100 senators to vote exist. for it for it to actually come into play. It still does yeah. not exist. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to go there and play the system for whatever the system is and play their game to get the little bits we can at a time, you know. Start um, taking it back. Taking start it back, taking it back because as soon as you start getting it back, people are going to start seeing it. They're going to start wanting it. They're going to start feeling what it's like. And I hope is that it would become an avalanche and people would want more. You know, they you would want more of their free. freedom. They got to want more 
of their liberty. And once they realize what that means and they realize that we're the ones, the only political party wants to get power to give it back. Once they realize that we're the ones who are actually delivering and these other two political parties ain't doing nothing, then mm-hmm. think about it. Last time, all either one of them had all the all the uh, houses and the branches. They didn't give anything they promised. No. All these civil liberty fights and everything that the BLM, I keep bringing them up just because I talked to them today, but um, all they these civil liberties the and stuff. And it was bullshit. Yeah. And they didn't deliver any of it. And the Democrats are in power in all three branches. They didn't get anything for civil liberties now. Um, and last time the Republicans, we got nothing for guns and Republicans have been preaching, returning gun rights forever and nothing, you know, it's all a game. It's all a game. And they, they say, Hey, the other party's going to take this away. And we're the only ones who are going to fight for you. We're the only ones who have a plan and they don't have a plan. The only way to really solve immigration at the Southern border is bipartisan immigration reform. And they don't want to do that because they can play it as a game that the other part the other people are letting all these criminals across and this that and the other and they don't want to solve anything and change it's all your politics foreign policy, there's no criminals change your foreign policy and trade and there's no criminals you get rid of the you get rid of controlled substances and a lot of that stuff goes away Absolutely. like 90 percent, because as soon as we start making marijuana farms in iowa the size of some of them corn farms the price on marijuana is going to go down just, just say a person can grow it in their home. They're not going to rely yeah. on farm. Yeah. You, or you, self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Economy. Hey. Self-reliance. That's the best economy. Well, I'm just saying, as far as bringing the price of that, that commodity down, once they start planting it in huge crops and agribusiness gets involved and realizes that this is a moneymaker, the prices on those crops are going to go down. And those Ooh. drug dealers that are trying to squeeze it across the border ain't going to be making any money because... Anyone worth their salt would realize I'm going to buy the the nice, you know, everyone loves buying local these days, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Buy local, isn't it? Spend local Saturdays or something like that. You go down in your downtown and spend money in your own town. Keep the money local. Don't go to Walmart or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, everybody loves local. Grow your own local pot. I'm a, you know, there's a lot of things for marijuana that people have just been villainizing it. And my brother, when he had brain cancer, um, he the chemo would made it so he was nauseous he couldn't eat he couldn't do nothing and he was losing weight so fast it was dangerous on its own and he was going to die just from malnutrition yeah and they were hooked him up to tubes and everything to try to get him to eat. he started smoking pot and the munchies kicked in and he was actually eating real food and he was gaining weight back even on chemo and his chronic headaches from his brain tumor were lessened they didn't go away but they were tolerable you know there's a lot of things, benefits here that we just swore off on a blanket war on drugs and people don't even realize the possible benefits that were involved in any of this. They just saw, oh, these drugs are bad, you know, it's all and they didn't even realize, shit. man. Yeah, it's all every every pretty much 95 percent of anything that's going wrong in society was created by the two party system that we have in place right now. It's all political every games day. that they have that they have made for us. And. They into themselves have created the border crisis. They into themselves have created the war on drugs and the idea that all the drugs are bad. They into themselves have taken away our rights, second, fourth, whatever, to empower themselves, whether that be through the Patriot Act or the the what, the crime law bill of 1998 or whatever it was that Biden passed a long time ago. All those things, it's all about that. It's all about that money. It's all about being able to part, pit one of us against another. It's all about getting everybody to... Uh, you know, fight to support their mm-hmm. political party and get them more power so they can go in and get more with their lobbyists and all that crap. It's not about selfless service. And that that's a big tenet of my, of my campaign is uh, I want to go there. And if the federal government could pay my rent for my family while I live there, that would be awesome. And that's all I want from it. Because like I said before, my family is, is, people who love this country for what it is and I want to support it. I want to selflessly serve my country. I don't want to, I don't want to take anything more than it takes to survive, to serve it. Cause I am more than happy to serve my country for a penny a day. If that's what the cost was, I'd give them a penny a day if that's what the cost was. But, um, it's just not like that, man. Politics are crazy, crazy yep. expensive. And they bitch about the silliest things and it's ridiculous. It doesn't, none of it passes. It's a common sense test. Some of the stuff these fire brands are saying does not pass the common sense test. If you no, wouldn't say that to your mother, then why the hell should you say that in public? 
my mom would have slapped me upside the face and head if I would have said some of this stupid stuff that's coming out of people's oh, mouths. That's violent, days. though. That's violent, though, Neil. That's violence. Mm. That's violence. That's yeah, I know. And we all need to realize that the world is not a very happy and friendly place. Um, when I was deployed, I used to see people uh, who would get killed and hurt and worse, you know, well, worse than killed, but killed and hurt and burnt alive and everything because people thought the local militias thought they were working with us. So to gain power over those people that they were in their areas, they would kill them, you know, Absolutely or they would kill their families and everything. And it's just, it's, it's the same tactic, but a different means. What, what we're getting right now in the United States is they ain't killing us to get their power, but they're doing the same damn stuff, exciting through fear. So that way that the world as we know it is going to end and only I can make America great and I can take us back to the way it used to be. Well, it's never going to get back to the way we used to be because when I was a kid, I didn't pay rent and <laughs> my parents made every meal and I didn't have to worry about money, you know. But nowadays, nowadays, You're being an adult, <laughs> I'm a grown ass man and I got bills to pay and I got a life to live and it's never going to be like it was and it never will be like it is right now. But we can make it better in the future by empowering us and getting these two parties and this big octopus that they created of the federal government out of our damn lives. Quit Absolutely. keeping up with the Joneses and doing our own thing, man. It's it's ridiculous that. We're even at a point where we have to tell the federal government, hey, man, um, I don't want you teaching my kids that or I don't want you doing this with my kids. That should be between me and my teacher and the school board down the road. We know what's best for my kids. My kids get need this. My kids need that. I know what they need. I don't need Correct. some federal standards saying that my kids need to read by this time. Every one of my four kids is different. They all learn to read at different times. They all learn to talk at different times, to walk at different times. They learn different things in school at different times, you know. So the best decision maker on that is right here at home, man. That's where the decisions need to be. I heard a lot from the Republican Party these days, and then they want, they want to empower, you know, schools and this, that, and the other. We'll get rid of the Department of Education and it's standardizing and make people make people in charge of their own families and school districts locally instead of the federal octopus. Yeah. If the federal government empowers schools, you should empower schools to have local education and uh, not allowing somebody to have to be in a nine to five to pay taxes and contribute to societal norms. If I wanted to raise my son to be the son of, uh, let's say, 50, 60 years ago when he was an apprentice, to be a, you're going to follow in well, daddy's footsteps and you're going to follow this information. There is absolutely nothing wrong with picking up a trade out of school instead of following the beaten path of going to college. And there are a lot of trades that will set you up in six-figure lives through the rest of your lives, and you will live a comfortable and happy person on that trade for your rest of your life. And if you're happy doing it, then do it. You know, there's a lot of people who are dissatisfied when they get to college. They feel like they're forced to go there. And if you don't want to go to college, don't go to college. And it's, it's, you know, when I was going, when I was getting ready to go, people were feeling like they were forced and that's what they were, they had to do because that's what their parents said. And mm -hmm. it's not always the key to success as a college degree. You know, everybody defines success differently. You Correct. just got to figure out what your version of the life you want to live is. And I always, I tell my kids, if what makes you happy is being a greeter at Walmart or, what it makes you happy being a CEO of a business, whatever makes you happy to do, then I'm happy that you're happy, but you don't have to do whatever, you're, whatever it is on my account. If you want to go in the military, go in the military. If you want to not and tell me to go F myself and go live your own life, successful <laughs> life and have a family, then at least send me a Christmas card. Cause I still love you. But you know, I just, I just don't like the way things are going. You know, people are trying to, trying to push us over and take away what's ours. And I just want to live my life and see my kids live their life and be happy and, and not have to worry about any of this crap. And if I feel like I can, I can do a part by running for the Senate and using that as a, a catapult to help make my kids' lives a little bit better than my life was, then that's all I can ever account for. That's, that's the best thing I could hope for. I just want to change things so that way when they get older, they don't have to fight the same fight I'm fighting against these parties for the same rights that they're still holding hostage. Right. And we're just about out of time. So I'm going to say, yep. go to longforsenate.org. Get in touch with this man from longforsenate at gmail.com. 
He's yep. running for Senate against Ron Johnson in the state of Wisconsin. Sounds like he's got some ideas to get <laughs> the money back in your pocket, the civil liberties back into your mindsets, actually having all the rights back into your personal life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Justin Lomnitz, the Lunatic Libertarian. This is my main man, Neil Long, running for Senate in Wisconsin to get the federal government out of your butt. So... I, I think we have a man that we need to vote for. Neil Long for Senate. Well, Longforsenate.org. Thank you. Thank you. It was good chatting with you. All right. I am the Lunatic Libertarian, and we are out. Neil, stick with me for a minute.